God of the universe, maker of the stars, who am I? All right. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life on Purpose. We are happy to be here. We're happy that you're here, wherever you are, even though you're there and you're not here. Um, you have myself, Daniel Clayton. You have Ryan Cribs. You have Dave Covert. And you have dad slash top dog uh, slash the guy who's kind of barely here tonight. So uh, dad came down with a little bit of an illness, but he is committed. He is on board. And even though I had to go to his house and duct tape him up right to his chair, he's here. Here we go. <laughs> We're not really laughing. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm I, I thought about that because, uh, yeah, this is this is like the longest I've been out of bed for two days. Oh man! So That's if I cough thanks, a little thanks better, for making the trek. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, if I cough a little bit or whatever, um, you know, somebody out there feels sorry for me. Hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> just make it just make it convincing. Okay. Because right. <laughs> yeah, I I tell everyone I tell everyone that uh, dad is partial bionic because it takes a lot for him to actually get sick. As you can probably tell, he sounds pretty good. So <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. All right, well, enough about me. What are we doing tonight, guys? But yeah, we were actually going to talk about you some more. Uh, you know, we <laughs> 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 no. Um, so there's this. We talk about cycles a lot, cycles of, um, you know, the feasts, the weekly cycles and the monthly cycles and the yearly cycles, all these kind of things. But then there's also um, there, there's also cycles in our own personal lives or the seasons or it's just kind of a, a, a principle that's in the world. And so we're going to kind of dissect this cycle um, of hard times to good times and such. And and the kind of the opening statement, I've heard it put it this way, is that um, hard times create strong men or strong people, and strong people create good times. Good times create weak people, and weak people create hard times. And that's the cycle we see. And so we're kind of going to dive into that. And you know, we kind of have a, a little bit of a direction of, of where we're going to go with the context of that, but I think it'll kind of take some uh, some different forms here as we run with it. Mm-hmm. So, Dave, Ryan, when I when I describe that cycle, comes to your mind. I was uh, part of the thinking that I've always when I've looked at that is we can if you've never really if you can't really just look to a a chapter or a book in the Bible, I, I'll, I'll help you out go to judges <laughs> that just it's it's the cycle is repeating yeah. it's almost uh it's almost depressing when you read judges just realizing how it just continues and continues and you just really go is. why when does it get to the point where they just finally go okay we know we got to do that's right because each judge says the same thing yeah or right, can we just move on with that it seems like every generation something happens and uh i how and so then i was always something when i first read it was did it ever because the spirit of god fell on this person a judge it fell on that person and then where did it go did it die with them so it makes you kind of wonder is that it, it it's obviously the bible doesn't stop at judges thank god so we are thankful that it didn't stop at judges and like that was it every man did what was right in his own eyes that would be mm-hmm. awful to read that that's all that was left of the bible so then what 
I'm so thinking what you just subscribed 2023. Going... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. I think I just subscribed the year exactly. So, I I guess for a long time until just recently, I've always wondered: was there ever a pattern where it showed that there was some sort of passing on? And love to hear y'all's input on purpose at mail.com. So if you guys want to chime in on this conversations, we might have a part two that has enough uh, information on that. That was, it was something that always bothered me until reading then as we were going through Joseph and reading through the patriarchs made you go, wait a minute. We do see a passing going on here. And now they're referred to as really the patriarchs. So you kind of go, so what was different there? And I think that might be something interesting to see. That's what I like to maybe see after this point, maybe uh, what Ryan was wanting to, time in there and uh you bring up joseph that was actually one of the thoughts i had is you know we read the story of joseph and then like the chapter right after all of that wraps up it goes and then along came a pharaoh who did not know joseph and i'm Mm. thinking how would you not he saved egypt and like bought all the land and gave it back to the kingdom how do you have a guy that comes along that's like i have no idea who that is you know i think Mm -hmm. that's a failure uh to possibly of the israelites or the hebrews um, themselves to have maybe um, mix a little church and state. Let, let me throw in something to you, Ryan, to, to maybe yeah. maybe uh, uh, bring something out here. That if you look at the wording, it may be that the the word he did not know Joseph is more of he did not recognize Joseph's contributions. Ah, okay. That, that would be interesting. How, do, how does that tie into your, your thoughts there? Well, in that particular case, I would say then it would be up to the people to remind him. Mm. You know what I mean? That it would be up to them to say, no, it was our God. It was one of our chosen that saved this land. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then base their you know, however they voted or whatever their democracy was, <laughs> however they uh, integrated into that society on that fact and, and on the standards that God had versus necessarily assimilating mm-hmm. into and, and allowing that story or that portion of their history to be forgotten. So if I may jump in, so it was people, they were willing to give up their lives, their land, right? We were reading through this. They gave up everything to do this. But obviously some time, it didn't seem like it was very long, if we like that translation of did not recognize the efforts, it seems like the people changed, but a culture didn't change. Something happened within the, like the Egyptians didn't actually shift their mindset. Cause we heard throughout the whole thing of, they looked at Hebrews with, they looked down upon Hebrews. They looked down at those who were shepherds and that's who Hebrews were. They were shepherds and there was no shift in going, Hey, you know, y'all need to change this mindset because this isn't working. Um, because we had to bring in people from outside to actually deliver us from this famine, essentially, if you could look at it that mm-hmm. way. So then it was, well, our God saved us, however they wanted to perceive it. Our God saved us, and now everything is back to normal. That's always the fun part, though. Mm-hmm. We're back to normal, so nothing's changing. We're yeah. not going to change our minds. And it does seem um, – yeah, I, I think we can draw a lot of um, – kind of what perspective on that concept just by looking at our lives today, Um, even our individual lives, like humans have the attention span of a goldfish. 
like Less. it's just <laughs> yeah probably so but, you know uh, it's i have the it, i have the stats by the way <laughs> yeah paper yeah, tag paper. those we tag those it. in the uh in the description right um <laughs> but seriously like even in our own individual lives i am often shocked of how god will really speak something to my heart and show me something that i'm doing or that's that's going on and I don't know, a week later, I find myself in the same predicament or a month later, you know, just whatever. Yeah. It's like, wait, how, how did that happen? Like he literally just showed me this. Um, and so that's kind of one thing of just the individual, how easy it is to forget something when you just remove it a little bit from yourself. Um, but the other, the other aspect that I was just thinking of is how quickly things can change really drastically. Um, and I think of, you know, I wasn't really um attentive to to politics or kind of what was going on in the, in the news cycles and until you know my adult life but i i look back and i hear of how you know the early 2000s the the average democrat would say that you know same-sex marriage was not good mm -hmm. and just to look how drastically things have totally swung in in the in the short span of like 15 20 years um, that, that's, it's really shocking. Like, and so you just kind of, you know, take that as a template and you put it on pretty much any given time span in history. And you can kind of see how easy it is to, to just totally change very quickly. Hmm. I, I want to jump in on that, Daniel. Hmm. I, if I could just jump on the, that's really interesting because that's, it's that culture thing. It goes back to is we're seeing and whoever our leaders in culture usually will drive certain points. And we see this in the politics in America, how it's shifted. And over just a span of really short, short few years, we're seeing drastic moves. And it's like, how is this happening? And that's a whole other subject for another time, but it absolutely links back to this and that we're walking in, in faith and we have a different perspective of the Bible that there's quite a few people that maybe don't see it the way that we see it. But then, why is it that it's uh, it seems like every year we have a we continue to look at this uh, Torah movement looking at, hey, the whole Bible exists. It's for our benefit. It's yeah. it's the whole thing, the whole package, guys. It's not just one bit it's not that the old was thrown out and the new was the only thing. It, we have a whole package here. And it seems that more and more as I've been a part of this for uh, ever since 2000, like early 2000s, you were just talking about it seems like the growth stagnated and it makes you kind of go, is it because of our the culture we've set up? Like what, what's causing this to fail? Because this goes right back to our last week's episode of legacy. And that was, that became out way, way more awesome than I expected. Because So if you haven't listened to the last episode, please go back and listen to it. Cause wow. Uh, we kind of got into some things that uh, I opened my eyes for sure. Mm -hmm. um, maybe, is that where maybe it got off track is our, the legacy of, okay, we're going to, children are going to grow into this and everything. And I don't see that what the hope was back when I was coming into this, the hope was that the children were going to do something later on down the years. I haven't yeah. seen that. Yeah. And so, and I go, I, I thought I was doing things. And this is also just for me, I'm trying to figure this out. So I wanted to throw that back to you guys on that point that you made there let me run back to ryan here <clears throat> ryan it says that they 
you know, Ryan and David, you both brought this up that, that when they came back into Egypt, this is last week's Torah portion, but it says that there was a, uh, they went to Goshen. They were told to go to Goshen. Mm-hmm. So the Almighty puts up a, a, a place of separation for them. Now, over 200 years later, um, we, we see in rabbinic writings. Now, in the scripture, we see that when the Jews came out of Babylon, only 20% came out of Babylon, 80% stayed back there. So when given the opportunity mm-hmm. to go back to Canaan, modern-day Israel, 80% stayed in Babylon. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. Now, there's a rabbinic writing that says at the time of the Exodus, only 20% left Egypt. 80% stayed behind. Why? And why is it that, that Ryan, that, that maybe that the, the Pharaoh did not recognize Joseph is because the people had assimilated themselves into the culture mm-hmm. to the point that they had now become irrelevant. So could we say definitively that failure to stand for your identity will ultimately end in slavery? Mm. Yeah. And could we say that we each need to ask ourselves a question? Are we living this walk, okay, this Torah walk? We could go into all that, you know, in in depth at some point. Are we walking it out because of personal conviction or because of personal convenience due to the group that we hang out with? Mm -hmm. So... I, I think there's a there's a twofold answer to this. Okay. Uh, I was kind of sitting here as as we were going through some of these things. Um, a couple of things that I've seen is this, uh, and the argument can be made, you know, especially in the season that we're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned before the pod the podcast. You you see a lot of posts maybe on Facebook or otherwise uh, that would seem to lead toward an assimilation into the practices or the ways that of the ways of the world. Yeah. Uh, sort of being on the fence, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and we see in Scripture, on the, being on the fence is not good. Uh, we know this. It says well, it be either hot it. or... Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> be either hot or cold or he'll spew you out of his mouth. So what we can gather from that is, A, number one, there must be total personal conviction in, in what you're walking in. That's for you. This is just going to be my opinion here. You guys can tell me if I'm if you agree or disagree or if I'm right or wrong on this. That's for you. And like you said, you have to walk in that out of personal conviction, not out of personal convenience. Yeah. Right? Um, now, number two, uh, there's a line out of a uh, TV show, and I like the line. It says, if you don't like what's being said, change the conversation. So it's up to us that if... Now, let me back up here. If the ultimate goal of this is to A, number one, through our own personal convictions, walk in such a way that we are found pleasing to the Almighty, and B, to bring others to the same realization that, uh, or the realization of the gospel, uh, of salvation, right? In doing so, we have to be careful how we sell it. And so the line that I see a lot is, Perhaps personal conviction is confused or conflated with um, I'm trying to think how to say this 
I don't want to say this rudely, but I'll, I'll say it. You know, like the lady at the checkout, when the lady at the checkout line says Merry Christmas, she is not trying to attack your personal beliefs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. True story. Yep. Yeah. We don't read in the book of Daniel how, you know, they said, oh, we're going to eat the king's meat. And Daniel proceeded to beat the attendant over the head with a Torah scroll. <laughs> that would have been great, though. Right. <laughs> what we see is daniel in a loving way was able to through a in a even in a legal way actually we look at it show through his lifestyle and the lifestyle of the men that he was put in charge of that the ways of the torah leaded or leaded english ryan it's been a long day (laughs) led to health led to prosperity led to to goodness ultimately and was beneficial to the lifestyle of those that practiced it. Hmm. So therein, I don't think that we can separate the two completely. We have to, the the two have to be packaged in such a way. uh, And you said it more beautifully um, before Mike, you know, are we living in such a way that, our personal convictions, we're only one generation away from assimilating. And if we were to start to fall away, would we fall away enough that our, our progeny would fall away further? Is there, what's the, what's the floor? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, And do we want to find that floor? Preferably not. Preferably not. But what I'm really saying, I'm trying to sum it up in a a way maybe that can be easily understood. What I'm trying to say is we can't walk in such a way in our conviction that we continue to hurt others uh, Mm -hmm. or cause other people to say there's no love in that movement. There's no spirit Mm -hmm. in that movement. Mm -hmm. Every time I, you know, I mentioned something about my way of thinking or or this, I'm constantly getting beat over the head by one of these Torah people. So I want nothing Mm -hmm. to do with that. What we want is people who say, whatever God they serve, I need to know him because obviously mm-hmm. he is making them live in such a way that they're just amazing people. Yeah, I think that was really, really well said. Um, yeah. Because it, it's true, you know, there, there's a there's a very delicate balance to walk between what you what you really firmly believe if you do firmly believe it which you know i hope whoever whatever you believe you know it's pretty firm in that way um and and walking in grace toward other because mercy does triumph over judgment and in the end we are we are vessels we are to walk out our lives in such a way that is described in what you're saying ryan of you know of casting that good light but it is ultimately like think back to the moment that you know whoever's listening think back to the moment that it dawned on you oh wow this torah is is something i should do or you know even the moment that you you met yeshua and can you say that it was was it really the doing of a person Mm. or was it a moment over the moving of the holy spirit and i think that's an important distinction because we have to realize that it is the Holy Spirit who moves upon someone to reveal to them that we should walk through life believing that we are lights and we are vessels, but we are not the one who casts the actual light inside of a person. We can only, you know, try to encourage it and just be who we're supposed to be in any given moment. 
Um, because if we do try to be the one like claiming the victory of like, oh, I showed that person, then ultimately you're going to do more damage than good. And essentially you have a whole group of people. Who, well, let me back up there. We need to stop pendulum swinging. Like as, and I say we as like the movement or, you know, just as you're thinking of your own personal life, stop pendulum swinging back and forth. Like make a goal of your life to like stop making your swing so drastic and just kind of center, you know, be still and walk that narrow path in the center, you know, slow that pendulum down. Because essentially what will happen is if you get super overzealous and you're over here, then you start hurting people, you start seeing people get hurt. And then you're like, oh my goodness, I'm hurting people and I'm seeing people get hurt. And so you swing all the way back over and you kind of end up becoming the thing that you don't like essentially, if that makes sense. Like you start, you become the the thing that you oppressed because of the guilt that you experienced while you were over there. Maybe that was, maybe that made sense. Now, yeah, I hear what you're putting down mm -hmm. there. There's definitely a, there's a middle line that has to be walked. A, a very fine line. Because you have to remember, like, if if this is what we're called to, we are we are representing the king. How do you want him to be represented? Exactly. And whether you like it or not, when you profess this walk, people are watching you. They're they're mm -hmm. watching you to see what does your life hold. Mm -hmm. What do your days entail? You know. How do you treat others? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I got called on and, this. And, Go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, going back to kind of the original thing of, um, you know, Ryan, what you brought up, that dad brought up, um, you know, during this, this, this season and trying to, you know, the, the assimilation and the, the over, uh, the overcompensating for, for grace in certain ways, perhaps. Um, oh, goodness, it just flew out of my brain. Um, <laughs> Gosh, that never happens to me. Oh my goodness! It just—it totally just died like a train, just wrecking into something. Um, okay, here we go. I think I'll go this direction. It stems from, oh yeah, being being convicted about your beliefs, and because people are watching you, and they're going to be able to tell if you really believe what you say you believe, or if you're just kind of, you know, bouncing around and you're kind of doing this and you're kind of doing that. And you have to be firm in that way. Um, and something I was thinking about earlier, maybe this is where I'm supposed to go with this, is if we are firm in what we believe of the Torah, of Yeshua, then we should acknowledge, kind of like I said, that it wasn't us by ourselves that brought us here, but it was God, it was the Holy Spirit, and it was him through people. And those people specifically, I will say, I will say, are our elders. It is of dire importance to respect our elders, those who have paved a way for us to be a part of what we are a part of, because I would not be here if it were not for my dad, you know, if it were not for these people who, who really kind of ushered in 
this this way of thinking or kind of just paved the way for it. And when I say respect your elders, I mean respect them totally, their faults included. Because I've I've found over time that it's just as important to like really dive in. Like if you find something like I I don't know why they said it that way. That seems like a little harsh or or those kind of things. Stop and take a minute and think to yourself, why are they that way? What is it inside of them that produced that thing that I'm hearing right now? Because if you really stop and try to like be intentional about respecting, then God will reveal to you the journey that they've been on that brought them to that place. And then you're going to figure out that it's, you're supposed to walk hand in hand with them. We are, we as young people are supposed to walk hand in hand with our elders because that is going to be the best, most efficient way to get to our goal. If we try to do it in our own strength, we're going to think that we're better and we're going to end up making the same mistakes that the previous generation did or the generation before them. Instead of I knocking them down, standing on their shoulders kind of idea. Sorry, Mike. I know you had a yeah. point you wanted to bring up. Um, I, I see, Daniel, you, you kind of hit there some, on something. That there is, within this movement, there is a schism that has happened between some of the pioneers and those that are maybe the, 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 the generation after them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it came because of lack of respect for both. Uh, you know, as somebody that's been around for a while, I need to respect. I, I try to respect. I try to show you guys respect every week. When we're together, I try to show you respect because I may have been around a little longer, but you may have an insight that I've never seen before. And if I just say, you know, Ryan, listen, sit down. Uh, you don't really have anything to say to me. I've been doing this longer. That's not showing you respect. And I'm probably robbing myself of something in the end. Mm-hmm. So this this idea of respecting, I think some of the things that we're seeing happening today is because of a schism of respect that has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't change that. All I can do is I need to live what I need to live. Mm-hmm. You, you talked about conviction. Um. And, and where it came from, you know, the spirit of God giving it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, people people are sometimes uncomfortable with my level of conviction over things. I'm probably not changing, so, oh, well. Um, <laughs> that's just the way it's going to be, you know. But uh, because, see, I don't do what I do because I'm trying to please you, you or anybody else. I don't do That's what right. I do because I'm trying to, to earn, you know, somebody's respect upon this earth. I'm doing what I do and my convictions are my convictions because I desire to please my heavenly father, period. Mm-hmm. And I found out years ago that what I do and the level of my convictions uh, speak very loudly to other people. Let me take you back and I'll, I'll put this back over to you. Um, I had just come to faith in Messiah. This was mm, late 80s, I guess it was. early, Yeah, late 80s, early 90s. 
and I was at, I was back in Jacksonville visiting my mother and my uh, stepdad, both of whom have passed away. And um, it was Sunday morning, and this is you know in those days when I was uh, this is actually before I was a pastor, and so I uh, had gotten in and decided that you know I'm not gonna I, I wasn't gonna get up and go to Sunday school that morning. I'll just I'll just meet my mother at church, right? And uh, my my stepdad, who was far from a Christian, far from a believer in in those days at all, I don't even know what happened in his later life. He's dead now. But um, he said to my mom, he said, uh, "So is, is Michael's not going to Sunday school?" And she said, "Well, no, you know, he really doesn't have any friends there anymore. They've all kind of gone away. So he's just going to meet me at church." And my stepdad looked at her and said, I didn't think you went because of your friends. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you stop and think about, when you say that you're convicted to do something, people are watching you because let's face it, you know, 10 out of nine people, on this planet are not living out of conviction. And a man or woman who lives out of conviction is a rare bird, a rare commodity, and people watch you. And they're, I think that in the way they're watching you, many people are watching you because they're looking for somebody that will not back up. Mm -hmm. I... I remember um, in, in Frank Peretti's book, uh, the second one, Pierce in the Darkness, um, there's kind of the main person that's a, a troubled individual, let's say. Um, she's kind of on this redemption arc throughout the story. And there's a part where she encounters the main the main pastor character. And he's, he's there as the pastor um, fixing somebody's toilet. And she's like, you don't, you don't look much like a pastor. And he's like, oh, okay, thanks. Um, yeah. But well, he, <laughs> but in the book, you know, you can you can see through the the context, you know, the Holy Spirit is kind of speaking through him, and he's like, you should go read Psalm one nineteen. And of course, in the book, it's like there someone else is questioning the pastor, like Psalm one nineteen. That's kind of a, a strange one for for someone who doesn't even believe, don't you think? And he's like. I don't know, you know, God, that's what God said. And she went up and started reading Psalm 119. And it was, Psalm 119 is all about the Torah and the perfection of the Torah and, and the, the boundaries and, and all that kind of stuff, which, yeah. which is what she resounded with in that moment was that she had come from a background of no boundaries of, of everything was meant to be explored and tested and all these kind of things. And so to read something about, boundaries firm boundaries that are not to be crossed that have been set up was like the the perfect thing in that moment and so you know I, I agree i think especially in today's age there are many people who have been taught like you are your own master you do what you want to do and you follow your own heart and so it, it really doesn't take long in the end for someone to do that and realize that it's a horrible way to live and you're going to end up very empty and so, yes, when someone sees someone like that, sees someone who is convicted, who lives by boundaries, 
then it's just a it's a very strange thing to them and they they have to watch it they have to see like it's very it's probably a just a paradoxical or yeah paradoxical for them to see that there is boundaries or someone who could even live by them when they don't even believe in them And, a, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. I, I was just wanting to chime in that whole idea that, yeah, it's like a, that story with the whole uh, boundaries and she grew up going with no boundaries. That, that was an interesting point because um, it is interesting because like I, I can speak to, I think, quite a few people that might be listening that maybe they grew up in something with boundaries their entire life. They've had this. They do not know the other side of there were no boundaries. It was all no holds barred. Everything was open. And they don't realize the, uh, oh, what's the, what's the right word for this? It's the, uh, I guess the joy in knowing that you're, you're in, you're protected. Maybe that's a better way of looking mm-hmm. at it. Like mm-hmm. not to look at it as you are caged bird, but that you are free to be within this space and in are protected because while you're in this space, you're not, you're not going to be mess with but then the boundaries which we have already discussed which is the torah <laughs> if we look at that i do look at how many times going around looking at some some people come with the idea that because this is, goes back to what mike you brought up uh, and brian was uh, clarifying and the idea of are you going to live based on your uh, conv- your personal convictions or is it based on other people because you see that even here like you just said about the church like i didn't think it was uh, about your uh, friends at all and you start to see this transitioning more and more it's we come into tour and then it's that uh, it's the teacher it's the it's the solo i've is i've been around this enough it's it's their it's their main teacher their their main teacher and they're human beings guys sometimes they'll mess up and there is a responsibility to still stand with and support but then go, hey, that's that's you actually kind of went too far there. You gotta kind of have to bring back and you make an excellent point, Mike, about the that duality of respect going back and forth, because I can't tell you how many people have come into understanding truth, understanding the Torah still remains, that it's never been done away with. And the main basis of them coming into was, well, my pastor told me that that was never to be considered. And well, I showed him. And it was like that can't that can't be your basis you can't be trying to prove someone else wrong and then expect that that's going to be a good foundation to go on and so i'm coming from this place of if that's your foundation it's a weak foundation if you're doing this for personal conviction standing on truth that's a way better foundation than just trying to prove who someone you trusted wrong because in the end that doesn't that doesn't lead to anything good and putting all your reliance on Every single thing a teacher says, they are gifted in teaching. Again, do not do not take what I'm saying and say, abolish whatever teachers say and only listen to yourself. No, you need people that have been here for much longer mm-hmm. than you have and have seen the pitfalls and have seen issues that you have not seen and realize, guess what? There's a boundary there because guess what? It just isn't worth going down. If you go down there, it's not going to end up good for you. And to lean on the understanding of what they've done for so many years, it's a, there's some wisdom mm-hmm. in that. And then to just say, yeah. let's just let's just throw that boundary aside and let's just run into there to try to find out what's going on there. You're going to find that foundation crumbling. And I've seen quite a few yeah. people find that foundation is crumbling. One of my least favorite statements 
in the world is when I hear a parent uh, say of their child, like, oh, yeah, just go, you know, live your life and make your own mistakes, learn your own lessons. <laughs> and I think it's so dumb. <laughs> like, there's yeah. no way to put it other than it's just stupid and selfish and lazy. Lazy. Because they will go no further than you if that is your approach. If if your approach is that your child should go make their own mistakes and do that and you just kind of let them go without teaching them anything and giving them boundaries, like revealing the boundaries that you have been shown and letting them build upon that and maybe recognize like, oh, that one over there needs, you know, needs a little repair work done, giving them something to start with. They will go no further than you. They will you know, struggle with all the same things and it'll just be an endless cycle that never gets any better. Like it's, it's so important to, to pass on what we have learned and not expect that, you know, they're going to follow it to a T necessarily, but like become their own person for sure. But just take what you give them and build upon it and become their own person with it, but at least give them something to start with. Um, Yeah. Uh, yeah, while you were uh, talking about that, the verse came to mind. Um, a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children. Mm-hmm. And then we yeah. read another verse where it says, our fathers inherited lies. Yeah. So maybe the inheritance isn't what we think it is. Maybe the inheritance is that, the, you know, if it's a righteous inheritance, it was being able to build a life upon the foundation of truths that our fathers left us. Mm-hmm. Like we can see that. Of... Oh, go ahead. No, just instead of you know having to again start over and, and build from nothing every time, you know, while our fathers are buried with the tools they built it up with, and we could see a uh, we could see that happening with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We could see that is you can almost see how they build on top of each other. You could see that there's something happening there, and I it, it was challenging to see in this parsha that with Jacob though it was a little bit different like Abraham willingly had to raise Isaac and then once raising Isaac then had to obey when the father said I want you to bring him up on this mountain so all those he all those years waiting right all those intense years of just living on a hope and a prayer and just knowing that that the promise was there making mistakes along the way of course as he's human but then finally receiving the promise and then once receiving the promise instilling and teaching and teaching and then god goes now i want you to give them up to me mm-hmm. oh that is still some of the most that's some of the most challenging things because then if we look at further down the generations with jacob you can almost see that, that almost same parallel story happening. His favorite sons, he didn't just have one. He had he, he had 12, but he favored two. And then one was essentially stripped and the other had to be removed. I never seen that this year than, than I did this year is that with Jacob was still called to give up his favorite sons. Did Jacob instill and teach all of his sons? I imagine he has. I imagine he did. Did he show attention to two over all the others? Absolutely, he did. Was that was that necessarily right? Probably wasn't right, but guess what? He did it anyway. What did God do with that? He ended up restoring that whole family. If you look at he he restored that whole family. How he did it, how he chose to do it. But it was interesting how understanding, and I'm not a parent yet, so I don't truly understand this. But seeing other parents instill and instill and instill, 
but knowing that they have to leave with a foundation for their children so that they can run with it versus yeah okay just go go out and just do whatever because yeah mm -hmm. guess what they're going to lead to they're, they're going to be in the same position that that parent is at that age versus mm -hmm being let go at the age where they're at that knowledge mm -hmm. where it's like, I've taught you everything. Now God's got to show you. Mm -hmm. Now God's got to run with, now you got to run with God to find out what's happening next. Because God's yeah. going to protect your children if he's with you. He's going to protect your children. He's going to be there for them. I was, I, that was something that blew my mind reading this year. I've never seen before. And I think it's worth mentioning too, in the context of all this, as you, as you teach your children or as you walk with your elders through this, um, it's very important to recognize the trap of pedestals and, you know, putting people up because <clears throat> that is another thing that will trip people up is we, we have to remember who is the actual king and what the actual Torah is. Like the, the, the revelation of the Torah, the revelation of the Torah is not the teachers of it. It is the Torah mm -hmm. itself. Yeah. The, the, the awesome. Torah is, you know, the doctrine of the king and it was given to us by the king who we should be looking upon. And if we put people on a pedestal, they are even more likely to fall because we have put them on that pedestal. And that is something that will kind of break the, the cycle and, and, you know, kind of be a reset for some people is seeing people fall, even though it was a, a group effort for that person to fall off the pedestal. Um, and so just to kind of bring it, you know, full circle in that way of, the cycle we see and how it can kind of be broken and restored and all these things. I think that's a big one. And also remembering that in the tabernacle, God only sent the fire once for the altar. And it was up to the priests to keep that fire going every day. And so as we walk hand in hand with each other, with our elders, you know, elders with those coming before you, you know, as you give each other grace for your faults and you share insights and knowledge Keep firing that flame and remember who sent the flame. Well, you're, you're talking about a an ongoing revelation. Uh, David, you, you're talking about that. Uh, all, all three of you are talking about this, this kind of an ongoing revelation. There's an interesting study. You can look in the scriptures and it says, at times it says, <clears throat> I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. At other times it says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Well, what's the difference? That he was individual in each one of their lives. But yet, the revelation that he was giving to the three of them was to be a consistent revelation, one building upon the other. Mm -hmm. And so what we should be doing with the people that we come in contact with, it should be an ongoing, consistent revelation of the God that we have a relationship with. If we, if, you know, if, if one day I have a conviction that is this, and the next day I have a conviction that's this, who's going to listen to me? Well, for one thing, I'm not listening to me anymore. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I, I, if I don't have the same convictions on a daily basis, now I mean my convictions have grown, they have you know, they they have they have morphed in ways, remained but, pliable by yeah, the father okay. alone. That's that's a good way to put it. But in the end, 
uh, you know, I dug myself into a, a really bad hole one time uh, on the golf course. One of the guys is like, Mike, you really need to play on, you know, in the tournament. We want you to play and uh, with, with us. And that, that's a great honor for somebody to come to you and, and ask you to, to play with them on their team. The only problem is Saturday. I said, I, thank you so much, but I don't play golf on Saturday. Well, you know something? I can't now start ever. Mm-hmm. And it's not <laughs> just because it would be the wrong thing for me to do. It is because my witness to the other people that I'm around would be totally destroyed. Mm-hmm. I have to be consistent. We all have to be consistent yeah. in our convictions. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because consistent convictions are the only kind that is worth passing on to someone else. And just to supplement that, which I totally agree with, um, I think it's it's interesting to look in the Torah and see how there was the um, the the law regarding how the father could nullify the vows made by like either a wife or a daughter, I think it was. Yeah. And, and so just, just that concept, how I've, I've been very thankful in my life, how there have been things that I have committed to that I had no business committing to. I was outside of the will of the father committing to that. And he actually reached into that situation and he was like, listen, I know you've committed yourself to this. And I know that you were, you had a good heart when you did it but here's me letting you off the hook with that because that wasn't my will. And so just kind of adding that supplement of, you know, be, be convicted, follow through with who you are and be humble and realize that sometimes, you know, the father's going to reach in and say, listen, let's, let's shift that one around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Let's turn a corner here, guys. Um, yeah. Israel, um, there's, uh, the fighting is intense right now. Um, over 160 soldiers, uh, IDF soldiers have lost their lives. I uh, just found out that, uh, a, a friend of mine who lives in one of the communities in the, uh, in the, the Judea Samaria, uh, Rekalim, uh, they had someone lost, someone died in their community. Um, thank God it wasn't her, one of her sons or daughter, but, uh, each one, each one is, is dear. Um, I, I'm bothered when I see the, the Facebook posts, I, I saw a comment today, you know, uh, that there's a big billboard in Israel in Tel Aviv that shows a guy with covering his face and saying the Shema. And one of the, the, uh, comments, I'm not judging the person. They just don't, people don't think through their comments at all. Um, so maybe God's opening the eyes of the Jewish people. People are dying you know don't give me your prophecy book mm-hmm. when people are dying you know i've i've started to i have specific men and women that i pray for and i i've started this prayer of and father for the ones that don't have anybody to pray for them mm. would you allow me to intercede on their behalf yeah, yeah. um okay. is is it is it's ongoing uh, there's not an easy end in sight. Uh, there's still hostages. The media is is in total lie mode, and um, it's it's tragic. Uh, we see Islam 
So I, I want to give you, uh, you know, we talked briefly about Islam last week. Uh, let me give you guys a, a question, throw it out here real quick. Uh, give, give me one word to describe Islam. Violence. Okay. That would be one of the liter- one of the literal meanings of Hamas, violence, superiority, yes. I would, I would say deceit. Okay. That's my word was gonna be deceptive. <laughs> I saw the thumb rolling around in my word, but I saw deceit, deceptive. Um see anything else here. Um You can go with that, David. Yeah, I, I will go with that. Yeah, okay. I was. I had another. We'll go with that. Let me give um, you. Let me give you a thought. This was. Uh, I was in a firearms training class many years ago. Um, probably, probably Ryan Cribs. Ryan would know who I was. I'm talking about. Um, I won't give his name on the air, but uh, we were in classroom setting, and the subject. This was right after 9/11, and the subject of Islam came up. And the guy did the same thing I just did to you of asking people for a one-liner, a one-word, you know, description. And I said, cowardice. And uh, this guy said, wait a minute, what are you talking about? They just, you know, planes into buildings and all this stuff. I said, yeah, but they hide behind children. They hide behind children. They hide in, in, in schools. Uh, in Gaza, they had 40 hospitals quote-unquote, hospitals. Now, the whole land of Israel has 20 hospitals. But in this little 25 by 7 strip of land, they had 40 hospitals. They're finding finding weapons hidden in children's beds. I would, to me, they're cowards. Mm -hmm. But a coward that does not have any respect for life it's still very dangerous. We need to make sure we're staying on the right side of this war. You guys comment? I saw a um, recent uh, <laughs> video was released by Hamas of them manufacturing um, precision rifles, so they say, uh, meant to instill fear um, to tell you how deep it goes. Um, thankful uh to forgotten weapons on youtube uh plug for him he did a video exposing the lies there oh. again of that there was no machining going on it was all falsified um just in order to strike fear into israel and israel's allies um again that's the level that they'll stoop to is you know hiding behind children and manufacturing propaganda in order to make themselves appear more powerful than they are. So then where I came from with the uh, deceit then was that whole idea of to run with what you're claiming, what you, what you're saying there, Ryan, about what they did, because that's not the only time they've done something like that. It just, it's just a constant, just always is in their playbook to try to present themselves as something stronger than what they actually are. Um, Cause then deep down inside, what Mike said, they're cowards. Uh, it's it's what's so strange is it's almost approached so in the same line that we are talking about today, 
with standing on conviction. So they'll they'll recruit people in and have them be so convicted and to stand for a certain way and then convince that it doesn't matter. So these some of these moral standards that have been throughout, right? The Bible spoke about them from the beginning. We now know that they are the gold standard for morality. They throw that out the window, go, that doesn't actually matter anymore. You could actually, if it, if they are the infidel, doesn't matter. Do whatever. And it's just even their own kind, though, they'll stand behind and to perpetuate this violence, to perpetuate this idea that they must do anything at all costs. And it's, you're going to stand on something and you think that it's so firm and so, and so stout, but you choose to fight to wage war against those who had nothing to defend themselves. Right. You started this whole thing off by going into a place with no defense. People that were for you, people that were for free Palestine the, from this, right. All those slogans, that all that stuff that they probably said over and over again, you go and attack them, enslave them and kill them. And people still want to go, oh yeah, no, they're in the, they're in the right here. But Israel bad. Yeah. <laughs> it boggles my mind. I, yeah. how, how can you not see that? Make sure your convictions are the right ones, I guess. Right. Yeah, and then, you know that's why I was kind of mentioning the, the humility thing because you know it, we can definitely get to a place where we kind of lose. Yeah. We all have our blind spots. Let's put it that way. We all have our blind spots, and you know it's it's important to be connected with the Father so that He can reveal those blind spots to us. Um, but kind of touching on the 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 post you saw in the comment dad the you know maybe god is opening the eyes of the jewish people you know that that statement in and of itself is, is it's not that it's a bad statement no no not at all it's not that it's something yeah and and i know that's not what you're saying you know it's not that we can't pray for that and hope for that um it's just a matter of now is not the t- the proper time to to say that you can say that in your your private prayers all day long if you want like that's you know God is a God who uses horrible situations to bring about his will and perfect things and all that kind of stuff. Like he is the only one who can do it like he can do it. And so, yes, he's doing a work in everyone. And I would hope that he's doing a work in the Jewish people right now and in the Christian people and in us right now through this whole situation. Like I hope that we are all being affected by that and that we're all letting the situation change us and and grow us and and help us to see things more clearly but in the end i I just feel it's better to err on the side of of blind loyalty to the king and look at the situation and say god i don't understand why uh you know israel as as a as a political nation right now is so far away from you like yes that's true but we don't understand everything and so just kind of taking all the things that we don't understand about jews about christians about ourselves about you know atheists and all this kind of stuff just put it to the side and err on the sign side of loyalty to the king and say god i know that you love the jewish people i know that you love christian people and I know that you are coming. And so I'm just going to do what I know to be right. And that is to support the Jewish people in the land of Israel right now, even if I don't understand everything that's going on. He will see to it that your prayers 
find the right spot and your dollars find the right spot, you know, hopefully use a little wisdom and all that stuff too. But uh, that's yeah. a good thing. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I have uh, kind of come to the end of my, uh, my mm-hmm. stamina here. Um, I'm about to go downstairs and uh, get in my recliner and do my impression of a radish. Uh, <laughs> which is, which is, Daniel can tell you is a really a classic. But, uh, yeah. I would be uh, remiss though, if uh, I let the evening go by without saying um, uh, congratulations to one of North Carolina's newest general contractors, Daniel Clayton. Heck yeah, man. Uh, yeah, passed his test the other day and uh, on his way to uh, to great things. I know that. So, congratulations! Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you. Great job. And uh, <laughs> see where it goes. Hey, you know, live by conviction because you never know that through that conviction, it might just open a door to where you find out the plans he has for you, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God willing, see you again next week. See you next week. See you.